Welcome back to today's episode of Work Life Harmonize. This is Dana Mahina, founder of the Work Life Harmonize movement and the new author of B is for Burnout, Not Bitch, available on Amazon.com right now, just in time for this new year. Please continue to join us, listen to this podcast, share it, rate it, like it, wherever you listen to your podcast shows, iTunes, Spotify, and more. Remember that when you listen to this show and take time out of your personal day on your personal journey, you will be listening to how we explore, highlight, and celebrate women and a few good men. As a ground shaker and recovering Silicon Valley executive, there has never been a better time to trade the bullshit and instead trade up and in the harmony. This is today's episode, and we're so grateful to you for taking out your precious time to spend this time with us. Thank you for listening, and check me out on Instagram at Dana.Mahina and on the website at DanaMahina.com. And now, on to today's show. Welcome back to today's episode of Work Life Harmonize. This long-awaited guest is someone I have been so excited to bring onto the program. She is with us today. Her name is Sage Kealohilani Kiamno, and she is coming to us to talk about things like trust-based philanthropy, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, a topic we have covered on this show in terms of DEI. However, we've never talked about in our pre-show, Sage and I were covering this, trust-based philanthropy. With your expertise, your vision, Sage, where you come from, where you are, where you're going, and where you've been, companies people may have heard of like Amazon and Amazon Studios, for example, the roles you play as an advisor to boards like Natives Rising, for example, and on the Hawaii People's Fund. Sage, welcome to the program. What are you doing? There's so much. Hello, Mike, Uncle, everyone, and mahalo um, for having me on the show. And yes, you pronounced my um, my name correctly, so Mike, uh, mahalo for that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. Um, I am definitely a leader who is, um, you know, I have my hands in different pots. Um, I have a lot of interests, a lot of um, social impact um, work that I am really, truly passionate about, um, whether it's women of color in the workplace, uh, women entrepreneurs, startups, uh, philanthropy, uh, and women in tech. Uh, so I'm definitely all around uh, doing a different, different work, but all the same, all, all the while it's my North Star and just a little bit of my kuleana um, and what I can bring to the table. So for the listeners that are from Hawaii, we thank you. And those of you that are visitors or tourists or people who keep coming back, thank you. And for those of you on the mainland or even in other countries, we know our listeners are expanding. We appreciate you listening to today's show. Uh, kuleana is in essence responsibility. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. So the um, the direct translation is responsibility, but also in Native Hawaiian culture, kuleana means also privilege. And I think that's the different pers- like perspective that I'm trying to push, especially in our community, is that, yes, it's a response. Kuleana is responsibility, but with that responsibility comes privilege. And what does privilege mean to us? And it, it is a privilege for us to have this responsibility to carry, carry on, carry forth. Um, and thinking about um, how do we affect um, um, our culture and our communities g- seven generations from now. And so when you think about indigenous cultures um, across the world, but, you know, specifically with Native Hawaiians, is that we often uh, create and build for seven generations ahead of us. Um, and that's how we continue our work um, in, in our communities. 
When you plan that far forward in the coaching world, a lot of my listeners are really working toward harmony instead of balance because we know balance is bullshit and harmony is all about work-life integration. How do you actually be strategic and start to plan forward that many generations ahead? What's the essence of that, Sage, for people that don't know how to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think when you think about our our I, you know, I, I, I really lean on my Native Hawaiian culture and how our communities um, functioned in ancient Hawaiian days, but even to now is like being being able to figure out what your value set are, right? Like, what is your values as a leader? Um, you know, what is your sphere of influence now? Um, you know, I think as a former entrepreneur and founder, I know it's really hard and difficult for folks to think even three, five years ahead. Um, but what what really grounds you into the work and what moves us forward to plan for the seven generations ahead of us is like what is your what is your your foundational values? Um, what what are um, your north star? What is the north star? Um, and then what is your sphere of influence today? Like what are you able to influence today? Who is a part of that? What resources can you leverage? Um, because I think uh, you, you, this could be applicable for anyone even starting in their own careers. Um, and that's to me how we've been able to build um, for the future. And When you're doing this type of work, what is the most rewarding piece of that for you and for those that you serve and work with Sage? Yeah, so as you can see from my profile, so being an, an advisory board member of Native Rising, which is a nonprofit organization that supports Indigenous, the, the advancement of Indigenous founders and Indigenous women in tech, um, but also a board member of Hawaii People's Fund, which is a grassroots movement uh, nonprofit that funds, supports, and amplifies um, organization, uh, nonprofit organizations in Hawaii. Um, so these are organizations that are grassroots and not traditionally um, funded by large family organizations in Hawaii. Um, so these are the small guys. Um, these are the guys who are doing real movement work. Um, not real, just not real movement work, but really uh, on the ground within our communities that are too small for big organizations to fund, but also, um, uh, uh, you know, are really challenging systems of power back home in Hawaii. And so you're asking me, you know, what, what really moves me to this work is that as an indigenous leader, um, I'm based out of Seattle, Washington currently. I've been living here for about 10 years now. Um, I would consider myself displaced because um, right now in the economic, social, economic, political, um, you know, uh, environment that Hawaii is in is really difficult to have a well-paying job um, and a, a well-paying job that's going to set you up for success back home in Hawaii. And so what happens is that there's such a, such a huge mi mass migration and displacement of Native Hawaiians away from home because we no longer can afford to live there um, as it, as um, rising ha um, housing costs um, keeps uh, keeps rising every, increasing every year. Um, and so in my place of privilege, right, my power position and privilege of having access um, here on the continent in, you know, in the U.S. is that I get to be a part, I get to leverage my resources to support more Indigenous leaders, the next generation of Indigenous leaders, and um, who have bigger and bolder ideas of what the world is going to look like in the future. And that to me is like the most exciting thing to do is, is to see is like when I see a Hawaiian name at a large company at Amazon, when I see a large, um, when I see another Hawaiian name or Indigenous name, out there raising um, um, raising millions for like an AI company or another tech company, right? I think 
that's what gets me excited is that we're building for the future and I'm seeing more leaders like me out there um, from my background, um, from my culture, and they're building companies differently because they're using an indigenous lens or they're leading companies in their careers um, using an indigenous lens, which I think is incredible and that at the world and the U.S. and um, really needs to uh, really look at, right? Like, how do we lead differently? So that's what gets me excited. That gets me excited. How do we lead differently? That's just the entire purpose of this program is to help people, women in particular, to lead differently, which is when you reach the top, don't forget to send the elevator back down for the next generation and the next woman and the next woman and the next woman. When you're dealing with BIPOC communities, marginalized communities, indigenous communities, if we can shine the lens of light on these communities, there is such an untapped resource sitting in yes. these communities. Yeah. So yes. what is trust-based philanthropy? That is not a term that most people have heard of, unfortunately. So now's your chance. Take your shot. What is it? Let's get people involved. <laughs> yeah. So trust-based philanthropy is a different way of um, you know, conducting philanthropy. So when thinking about traditional philanthropy, uh, nonprofit organizations apply for grants, um, and people don't understand that when you are applying for grants, it is a, a strenuous like process. You have to have your finances, your five-year plan. You have to write these big grants. Um, and it takes a lot of resources, right? And when you're thinking about nonprofits, you're already not, you're not, you're not well resourced, right? And that's, that's, that's why you're applying for grants. And I think, um, what we're doing differently in Hawaii People's Fund is that we're trusting our nonprofit, our, our grassroots nonprofits that are, applying for our grants um, to go through a very a simplified um, application process where we talk about the work, you know, and then, and, you know, what is the projected amount of money that you need, but we're trusting their work, right? Um, this is just, this is also what's happening in the startup industry is that the gap is that a lot of, of startup industries are not getting the um, initial uh, capital at the beginning, right? Like it's that startup capital, like that 50K check, um, but nobody, um, a lot of folks do not want to fund them at 50K because they're not a big return on it, right? Because you're just starting out. Um, and so for trust-based philanthropy is trusting in our organizations, their leaders, um, putting the trust on them that um, when they're in the application process is that we make it easier for them and getting under getting um, a better understanding of their, obviously their structure, what their what their mission and vision is and then what are they trying to use it with that money but being able to like fund things with, with with trust first right uh and not having to like here's all these paper here's all the pe paperwork you have to prove this and that yes there has to be some kind of a accountability factor towards it um but that's what is the gap for most um nonprofits that they don't even have grant writers to do this right they don't have resources to go through that kind of process nor is it like feasible and efficient and quick some of these uh, organizations um need to turn around uh, a turnaround time they need emergency funding for instance i'm proud to say you know uh, at hawaii people's fund we were able to um restructure our grant making process to support maui relief um, organizations and we were able to um fund five thousand ten thousand dollar checks to organizations doing on the ground work um, emergency work in Maui. Um, and I'm proud that we were able to do that. And that's what trust-based philanthropy is, is being, being able to have a structure, but to lead with trust, but also have the fluidity to switch 
years when um according to our grant our, our grantees and that is actually so important for small businesses and startup businesses like if we can learn from the way that you can shift based on need that is a huge vital step toward progress in the future and that goes beyond today's show in so many ways because companies aren't moving quickly enough and they aren't changing their agenda to meet the needs of their constituents, their consumers, the people they serve. It's like they've lost their way because they're really serving, I'm going to get on the platform, it's my show, the almighty dollar, right? And when you get caught in that loop and then there's a tragedy like Lahaina and what happened there, where do you turn? Think about anyone that's listening to today's show, a work-life harmonizer who has either lived on Maui or visited Maui. If you've ever even read about Maui, you know Lahaina, you know Front Street, and it is gone overnight, literally. And the way you all were able to shift gears was remarkable. And this is before I knew who you were, Sage. I was actually doing um, some giving for Lahaina through the Hawaii People's Fund. Why? Because we knew we could trust the Hawaii People's Fund. Yeah, awesome. So many outfits came up that we knew were shady. I don't know how else to say it. And so having a place to go for trust that's a conduit to get to the people that need the most, that's the answer. So thank you for that work and thank you for what you do. And as I understand it, Hawaii People's Fund has been around since 1972. So the Lahaina situation must be very, very pivotal. Mm -hmm. For the Hawaii People's Fund as an example of what you can do when you're nimble and flexible and working collectively. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hawaii People's Fund has been in existence and doing social impact work for 51 years. And I'm proud to say that we are an indigenous led board um, of young leaders, community leaders, um, Kanaka leaders, um, thinking community first and community doing first um, above all else. And so, you know, mahalo for donating and contributing to our work. Um, this is something that truly has been transformative to our communities and our islands. Um, you know, for instance, we've worked on um, Makua Valley, we've worked on Ko'olawe, protecting these aina, these lands. And like, that's why we were able to quickly shift gears and say what you said, being nimble and flexible to, uh, to support um, what happened in Lahaina and the Maui community. And it's interesting because in the startup world, we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs on this show. I've coached probably hundreds of them, startup founders, et cetera. I come from Silicon Valley, so I come from the tech scene. I'm still recovering. That's why I live on Kauai. Thank you. What we really learn is being flexible and nimble and then in the bullseye of the deep caring, communities first, serving your people, really starting with your end using customer first, if you will, mm -hmm. as an mm -hmm. analogy is the way to ultimate success and the money follows and it's yes. really flipping the script instead of putting the dollar first put the people first like hello oh i could go all day on this topic so i'll stop myself before the producer comes on and says stop that we need to talk to sage about sage so i want to change gears for a minute and talk a little bit more about you we've talked about your deep work we've talked about what motivates you and the rewards that come from kuliana uh, i understand now thank you for the clarity on responsibility and privilege what would you say in 2024 this this episode is airing in early 2024 
What would you say you're looking forward to in terms of that North Star you mentioned for 2024? What's coming that's good? Give us something to hang on to, Sage. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what I'm really excited for, I think, for the future and for 2024 is that now we are at a... um, a very interesting time, um, society-wise, um, where diversity, equity, inclusion is going. How is it being invested and continue to be invested in? And then how can we change um, tech? Right? How do we how do we get influ- How do we become more influential in the next generation of new companies coming up? Especially when we talk about AI. So, artificial intelligence is the going to be really a big topic. Um, it's already a big topic, but it really is going to change the way that we live our lives. And because we have are better at having language, um, we understand that our, our people and communities care about equity, right? Um, and diversity, equity, inclusion. And how do we, at the beginning of this, you know, AI, tra- you know, building and transform, you know, um, transformation is that how do we build that at the foundation? How do we make sure that we are, um, building AI with an equity lens and preventing more more hurt than than, than help, right? Because we understand, like in the '90s with the internet boom, right? When we think about how was that able to um, connect everyone together, um, but also like um, what a lot of these big tech companies are working on is satellite um, internet access, right? Like global internet access for all. Um, a lot of, there's a there's a race for that too. Um, and, and providing more access. So I, I think what I'm excited for is that I think right now in society and where we're at is that we deeply care more about issues um, and equity. And so if we can be at the foundation and be at these tables where we're building tech tech products, right, or technology that's going to change the way we live, is that we can have that discussion at the forefront and we can build that foundation instead of right now, like we're trying to backtrack, right? Like we've, we've done the internet boom, we've built these tech companies, but they're so large now, it's kind of hard to, to, to rebuild, to build something within a culture that's hard to push back on, right? Because it wasn't built, it wasn't built and born in at the beginning. And so what I'm excited for is a lot of these AI tech companies, and also these um, satellite internet companies to be a part of not be a part of, but to be highly influenced and built in with the AI. Preach, Sage, preach, because the afterthought is the huge issue. And these companies are too big of a ship to turn. And these voices have been lost. So we're going to give voice to the voiceless in 2024. That's what this show is all about. And that's what gets us up out of bed every morning. Otherwise, it's just way easier to stay in bed with your covers over your head and all the rescue dogs that my listeners know occupy my bed. Sorry to my husband. So what we want to do before we have to wrap our show, I can't believe how fast this time is going with you. I really want to cover with you, Sage, what it is that you would tell yourself when you were younger, let's say in your teens, if you knew then when you were back home, what you know now, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give your younger self? Um, Give yourself grace. Um, Follow your na'au. Um, na'au in Hawaiian and mid-Hawaiian language is your gut. Um, your na'au, your, your na'au never fails you. Um, when you feel it in your body, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, um, especially with women. Uh, we're socialized and taught to not follow that intuition and 
we we as women in general have such a deep sense and such a deep intuition. Uh, but when you're socialized not to listen to that intuition, that's when we kind of have to backtrack, right? Is that we know when something's right for us, right? And we know where something is guiding for us, even though that we don't quite understand fully what it is. And so I would tell my younger self is to follow you in the owl and give yourself grace. We talk about grace on this show all the time. And then the owl and the the deep knowing inside of yourself, again, especially for women and marginalized people. I just want you to know that even though I am quite a bit older than Sage, I'm turning 56 in February. My listeners know I love to talk about my age because I don't care. After 50, you don't yes. give a shit anymore. You're like, whatever. Niale, none of your business. So <laughs> I just want people to follow their gut because when you get that feeling, it's telling you something and it's really a wake up call. And so for young people listening to the show and for parents of young people talking about their lessons learned with their children or their nieces or nephews or the neighbor or someone at church, wherever you find young people, Give Sage's advice. It's such sage advice. You knew that was going to happen during the show. It's so funny. It is sage wisdom. Your name is apropos because if you don't trust your own gut, that's the beginning of where we lose our voice. Would you say that's a bridge too far? Or does it sound accurate to you, Sage? I know it's definitely accurate. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. So we love our guests to get the final word. You can share a favorite quote or you can actually say whatever it is you want to say to just give a little bit more of your deep wisdom to our listeners who are really making the effort to have more harmony in their life and to really trust their gut and find their voice. But what else would you like to share? Um, I would like to share a quote from one of my... um my mentors and somebody that I admire a lot, Arlen Hamilton. She's the managing partner for um, Backstage Capital, um, and which is a VC firm that supports marginalized um, startup founders. And what she always says is, um, she always ends up with co when it says, "Be a key, uh, be a key maker, not a gatekeeper." Um, and that always stuck with me about how can we become better key makers for everyone instead of gatekeeping because gatekeeping definitely has been a, been a societal issue um for especially for wealthy people and i think how do we create more access um more opportunities and resources for others and um yeah I, I would love to have everyone to think about that as a how can you become a key maker we've had a lot of great quotes some known some unknown on the four years of this program i've never heard anything quite like that so for me that's a beautiful illustration even if we are the ones capable of opening the door somebody may lock it behind us. And so if you give the key into the people that really need it in their hand, that empowers them to open the door for themselves. And again, thinking forward seven generations, that's pretty incredible. Most of us don't do that at all. Even if we run very successful businesses, we're not really thinking forward to your point. That's really like strategic life planning beyond business. So I really encourage our listeners to think about what Sage has shared today, to really Check yourself against how you're living and leading your life. If the listeners would like to connect with you or follow you or find you, Sage, shout out your vitals. Where do they get to you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, that would be the way to um, get a hold of me, but also kind of just read my work and the things that I'm um, you know, excited for in the future. 
Well, we're excited for your future. We can't wait to hear and learn and see and experience what it is that you're doing next. You are doing a lot. You have your hands and legs and all kinds of things. You have the same octopus approach that I have, which is really diversify your reach because that's another way to put more keys into the hands. So we hope you have eight keys in honor of the octopus. Uh, We're so grateful that you came on this show. Mahalo, mahalo, nuiloa to you. And for all of the wisdom and the Ike that you shared today, I am very grateful. I know our listeners are going to love this show. And until next time, we always say here on Work Life Harmonize, where you will find us everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Ahui ho. Ahui ho.